This is Blurring the Lines with Adam Bell and Peter Nicolaitis, IT entrepreneurs. Adam and Peter take on the topics of technology, business, life, and the pursuit of happiness and blur them together in the 21st century. Episode 44, a yoga discussion with Jenna Palm. Jenna is one of those rare individuals who has A, her own business, B, has been influential in one of our host's lives, and C, has not wanted to punch Peter. Coming from a background of dance and gymnastics, Jenna saw yoga as a new physical challenge. She attended regular yoga classes on her college campus and quickly fell in love with the practice. She began teaching yoga in 2010 and has been described by some as the greatest yoga teacher in the universe. Here we go. Happy, as we're recording this, it's St. Patrick's Day. So happy Friday, everybody. I am your host, Peter Nicolaitis. As always with me is our co-host, Adam Bell. Hey, Peter. Welcome from Nashville. If you're watching the video version of this, there's a girl here. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) We're very, very pleased to be joined today by Jenna Palm, who is my yoga instructor and the owner of the Corner Studio, Yoga, Wellness, and Balance. Indeed. Nice. Welcome, Jenna. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. So um, we were, we've been talking, uh, um, we have done several interviews and they have so far been with uh, colleagues of ours or teachers of mine. Mm-hmm. And uh, one who was neither, but just a friend slash, you know, but, but uh, I'm on a quest to interview people who are somewhat influential uh, to me. Uh, and you are one of those people because you're one of my teachers. So. That's right. You have had an influence. <laughs> so I've got a I've got a question though. So yes. everybody else has punched you. Has she punched you? Jenna? <laughs> not yet. Out of the out yeah, of the guests yeah, that I have had on this, yes, you have not yet punched me. Then again, I, I think we, we could sort of consider Tim or Kevin, uh, they, they are sort of my guests, and neither of them had punched me, but they had probably wanted to punch me, yeah. at least on occasion. So, Jenna may be the only person we've had on the show who has not wanted to punch me. Yeah. Okay, hey, yes. Yeah. Not yet one. Well, we'll change that real soon. Wait till we get down to question number seven. <laughs> Oh, dear. So I'm going to bounce around a little bit, but um, tell me, why yoga? Why not Tai Chi or, like I said, meditation or mixed martial arts? You know, what what called you to yoga? Yeah, well, it kind of happened by accident, I'd say. I I had done some yoga, really um, a very little amount of yoga in my younger years, um, and then had I also was really involved in dance and gymnastics. And when I entered college, I had um, I entered with the idea that I was going to open a dance studio. Um, and when I was in college was when I, I found yoga in a more in-depth sense and really fell in love with it. Um, and it kind of morphed my idea because it, yoga had such an impact on me. I really wanted to share that with other people. And there was a, a selfish part of me that really loved teaching yoga. So let why not do what you love. Why is that selfish? Selfish in that, um, I mean, I'd like to say that everything I do is to improve the lives of other people, <laughs> uh, which that's definitely a benefit of it, but like it really improves my life to share it. Cool. Yeah. There, there's there nothing a, wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. Yeah. <laughs> nothing wrong with improving the lives of other people while making your own better, too. Yeah. <laughs> totally. <laughs> the goal. There, there was a study done in our research thing recently about um, uh, altruism, and uh, it was like an economic study. And the, the supposition was that uh, we really, there is genuinely really no authentically 100% altruistic mm. thing. So mm. don't feel bad if you if you're getting some benefit out of teaching. That's it's totally cool with us. Fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> Glad I have your stamp of approval. <laughs> <laughs> 
here first. Yeah. <laughs> so how long have you practiced? When was this? You said you started in like in college, you kind of got into it, but yeah. when, when was your like, do you remember your first yoga class? You know, not really. Um, I've probably been practicing for at least 15 years, but I, you know, it wasn't an immediate love affair. Since you were three? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> about that. About that age. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I didn't have like a really impactful experience when I first started, other than um, I really liked the physical aspect of yoga. I liked how it made me feel. I liked to learn new tricks. Um, I think that's what originally draws people to yoga is like the physical practice, whether it be to, um, to, to heal an injury or to learn something new. Mm -hmm. Um, and then once I continued to practice more, the, the more meditative, uh, spiritual, emotional aspects really sunk in with me, and that's what eventually gripped me. I don't know if I had like a pivotal moment, like this is what I want to do with the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. I think it was just gradual and kind of shifted from like the movement and the arts of dance into more of a, a postural yoga practice, which I think my dance background, you can kind of see in some of my teaching as well. Absolutely. Uh, so in a way, I, I'm doing I'm, it's similar to what I set out to do at the start. So that's why every class, like every other pose we do, is dancer pose, right? <laughs> is that true? Not even close. I'd say like every fourth class that I attend with you is probably has a dancer. I do like dancer. I do like dancer pose. So, so that actually, that, like I said, we would probably skip around a little bit. But um, that was one of my questions, and I sort of know the answer. But how do you keep your routine straight? I mean, you go through some elaborate routines where we're winding up one side yeah. for it seems like half an hour going in one direction. <laughs> And we're, you know, I'll, every now and then I'll glance at my clock, you know, my watch or the clock, and I say, "There's no way we're going to cover all of this on the other side." <laughs> and yet somehow we do. We wind it all back. But I'm not, you know, it's not so much like the fitting it into the schedule type of thing. You have us go like many poses deep on one side, and then we, you know, wind it all back and go out of the other side. How do you keep track of all this? Because I know, like, especially in yin class um, and in some some other classes I see instructors have their lesson plans like either on their phone or on a little notebook or something. I've never seen you do that. So you keep some very elaborate sequences all up in your noggin. How do you do that? You know, I think I have, I've always had a pretty good memory, so I attribute some of it to that. Um, I, I do write down all of my sequences before I teach them, and like seeing them on paper helps me remember. Mm-hmm. And then I, I do the sequences um, to, you know, and like feeling them in my body and seeing it on paper and thinking about them. Other than that, it's just, and I've messed up before. You've probably been in a class that I've messed up. I'm not perfect. Um, I wasn't going to say (laughs) But there's something that it's like, it feels natural to go from one pose to another pose. And that's how I plan a lot of my sequences. And it helps me to remember them too. Okay. What um, what would you call your style of yoga? Now I know mm-hmm. some some teachers have like I know some teachers that only practice you know and only teach one certain style. Uh, I know certain studios only teach like you know Bikram yoga. This is all we do. Sure, or sure. Uh, Ashtanga. That's all we do here. Mm-hmm. So what about what would you call here? Yeah, I mean I guess if you had to put a name to it, it would be Vinyasa yoga, which is a, a breath based flow yoga Um, though I've more recently been inspired by um, Iyengar yoga which is more held postures very alignment based yoga so um, I think for me it's a combination of those two some some longer held poses with some flow to kind of get the blood moving and that's is it my perception am I do you, you agree? Um, my perception is like, at least in the greater Boston area, Vinyasa mm-hmm. seems to be the most popular mm-hmm. form. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Okay. Um, would you say it's appropriate for beginners, intermediate, advanced? Yeah, all levels. I mean, 
all vinyasa classes won't be appropriate for all levels of practitioner, but I think that that style of yoga can be taught at a beginner level, intermediate, or advanced. Which is evidenced by the fact that you have basics classes, intermediate classes, and all levels classes here. Mm -hmm. um, do you have any like advanced classes? I know we have like the power hour and we have the intermediates here. Yeah, I mean, I would put those both into the category of intermediate slash advanced, mm -hmm. and I kind of feel out the room during the class and see where everyone's at. Mm -hmm. um, but I think labeling something as advanced could do a couple things. I think first it could really intimidate some people. Mm -hmm. um, and also like it might play to the yogi that like really wants to learn tough tricks, which is great. But I feel like sometimes that like speaks to the part of us that we're trying to heal when we practice yoga is to like beat ourselves up and learn new things rather than just like being okay with the postures that we're given. Um, so we do, you know, we do some of that crazy stuff because it's fun in the intermediates and sometimes in the power hour class. Mm -hmm. But I think that the power behind yoga is in like a basics class, mm -hmm. like where you can really think about your relationships to the postures and how you react when you do certain things. I think sometimes the way we look at postures is like the way we treat ourselves and the way we treat other people like do you push yourself to the point of injury or do you always like back out when things get really hard like I think there, that's like where the magic is so to speak it's, it's interesting you're saying that because what you're saying I can substitute just very few words and easily translate it over to a martial practice yeah and Krav Maga Aikido uh, Karate a lot of what you're saying is um, you know, like the fundamentals and the basics, like you said, with the power reels, you know, the advanced stuff is even the basics. But mm -hmm. uh, every teacher that I've ever had in any of my martial practices has always said that, you know, the basics and the foundation stuff is the most important. Totally. And that's why, like, I still go half the classes I do at our Krav Maga school are level one. Mm -hmm. and we're focusing on stance mm -hmm. and stamina and endurance and posture and form. So a lot of that translates over very nicely. I think. Yeah. Uh, so that's cool. Cool. Right. cool. All right. Um, so we uh, we talked about how long you had practiced, but how long have you taught? I've taught since 2010. So I guess about about seven years. Okay. Now. All right. And what does it take to be a yoga instructor? How does that? Um, how do you become a yoga? Do you just decide one day I'm going to teach yoga? Like technically, <laughs> like the process. Uh, whatever, or, both. Um, I mean, so there's... Both, any, whatever. Yeah, there's no, like, real governing body that dictates what you have to do. Like, anyone could teach yoga, but... You don't have to be licensed in the state of Massachusetts. You don't have to be licensed, though. Like, most or probably all yoga studios would not hire a yoga teacher that hasn't registered um, with the Yoga Alliance. Okay. Um, or have done some sort of training program. So there's um, initially a 200 hour yoga teacher training and um, you, the Yoga Alliance is what oversees that. So as long as your training fulfills all of those requirements that they dictate, then you can be a registered yoga school and um, earn your registration that way. Okay. And yeah. is that, do they like oversee other schools then that are like certified by the Yoga, yoga Alliance or? Like all types of yoga, yeah. So you can be like, um, I think the exception is yin. I don't know if there's yet a specific yin training that's overseen by the Yoga Alliance, but um, Iyengar, Vinyasa, Shanga, um, you know, as long as you fulfill all of the requirements, then, then, you re then you're a registered yoga school. Okay. Yeah. So mm, this might sound like an obvious answer, but mm -hmm. it's a stupid question. So how long does it take to get this 200 hours of training? You know what I'm it's different depending on the school so for me I started the the um, original certification that I got in yoga was through um, an organization called yoga fit 
and they travel around the U.S. and I think they're based in L.A. and they host trainings in increments. So there were like five levels and then you needed like either seniors or a, a children's yoga and an anatomy and there was like all of these pieces that ended up adding up to 200 hours mm -hmm. and you could do that at your own pace. So you could get it done in 10 years, you could get it done in a few weekends. It's not expiration. It's not like the stuff we learned in the first two classes. Those expired after four years or something. Right. I mean, not as far as I know, there might be some. Downward dog is still downward dog. <laughs> yeah. Downward dog will always be downward. We don't dog. call it that anymore. Now it's downward facing chihuahua. <laughs> <laughs> I do. I do sometimes make up new postures myself. <laughs> so well, let's talk about that actually. Okay, okay. So you make up new postures yourself. I was wondering um, because, for example. Mm -hmm. um, we started today on our bellies. Okay. Uh, this is a, a uh, uh, pose that uh, Holland, also one of your instructors here, refers to as downward facing shavasana. Oh, I like that. Right. And um, Annie uh, will often have us do um, a weird downward dog, she mm. calls it. You know, there's no other name for it. I've heard her say that on two occasions. Like, this is a weird downward dog. There's no other name for it. Yeah. And someday, one, day, one of these days, I want to just ask her, like, what, are you sure? Yeah, are you sure no one else has called it something once? Uh, anywhere today. <laughs> but um, so you make up new postures. How does that come from? Is that, I mean, do you have to run these by the Yoga Alliance? Uh, are you like, you know, are you in uncharted territory? Are we in danger of offending somebody? Or you know, what, what's the deal with I that? I mean, I don't know. I guess someone could always be offended. I, I can guarantee <laughs> someone could always be offended. No question. But I mean, there are lots of poses that are like really. Um, really common mm -hmm. that like we caught like for example a reverse warrior mm -hmm. was not one of the yoga postures when mm -hmm. people were starting to take yoga okay. um, or an asana practice mm -hmm. um, for me it's like when i when i design my sequences i usually have a goal whether it's like working up to a peak pose or to target one area of the body mm -hmm. so moving in ways that like aren't necessarily really technical i think can sometimes um have benefit to mm -hmm. people um, mm -hmm. rather than like a, a, a you know really finite number of poses um, and the yoga alliance doesn't dictate what poses you can or can do or can or can't make up but i think as long as you have like a, a pretty good um knowledge of anatomy mm -hmm. um then i say go for it make stuff up make stuff up. <laughs> so so do you have an, an original pose that is like your your thing oh i don't know i mean <laughs> can you think of anything um i i, I mean a lot of like a fake made-up poses are like poses that other people made up that i've stolen uh -huh. <laughs> uh, i don't know if i have like a signature pose really I, I can't think of like one that i would say like oh yeah jenna invented that yeah but, you know every now and then well let's say regularly in a class you know we might do something you know and you'll say like okay now uh you know, follow me now. We're gonna wind through this, and you know, you like you walk us through twisting our hands behind our ankles and you know, <laughs> tying ourselves up in a pretzel or something. And I'm like wondering, what's this pose called? It's the um, warrior armadillo. You know, <laughs> the Jane Fonda, you know, oh, type yeah. stuff. The flash dance pose. Flash dance pose. <laughs> a few others mm -hmm. that you have. And I'm like, I don't, don't think that's the Sanskrit literal translation. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not an expert. I'm not a yoga instructor. So I know this for sure. So um, I was wondering about that though, because they use the, like reverse warrior. I, I see that everywhere. Oh yeah. You know, that's, mm -hmm. I think pretty much every vinyasa school that I've trained in, there's totally. been there. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes I see. So here's the, yeah. This is the question I meant to get to, but we'll do it now. Um, variations on poses. Mm -hmm. So I have seen reverse warrior. Uh, where you are supposed to um, arch and you know are, uh, curve the arm, you know, so like the joints are bent, so do it back way, backwards, which is the way I usually do it. Mm -hmm. I've also been told reverse warrior should be like straight up, sort of like reverse triangle. Mm -hmm. um, I've seen um, when you have us going to triangle pose from say warrior two, mm -hmm. it's reach, 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 reach forward, and then you start to tip. Yeah. Um, at one of the schools up in New Hampshire where I've taken some classes, they do that before going into reverse warrior. 
Mm. So they always reach, 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 and I'm like, you know, I'm not doing that. And I look and I see the rest of it. Everyone's like, you know, like, oh, that's how we do that here. Okay. <laughs> um, so, any any comments on like modifications to poses or how you get into poses? Is that just a instructor's choice or what? Looks... Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of times it's an instructor's choice, but mm -hmm. like. Um, there's probably reason behind it. Like the reach before triangle is not necessarily a part of triangle pose, but um, you know, it helps you get the length in your side body that we sometimes lose when we come into mm -hmm. the pose. Um, and then other variations, I think it just like depends on what your goal is for the class. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, that's basically how I, for instance, um, I just, another one just came to mind. We Today we did a class uh, and the emphasis was on the shoulders, mm -hmm. which is great because, you know, as is almost always the case, when I go to yoga class, I don't generally have to request anything. It just magically always seems to be what I need. Uh, <laughs> had two hours of intense boxing and fighting last night, so my upper body and stuff was really tight. I was going to say upper back, but you said shoulders. I'm like, close enough. That's right where I needed to work. So that was great um, but on that note when it comes to like shoulders and um, uh, stuff like coming out of a forward fold mm -hmm. sometimes um, it's you know curve like a like a Jefferson curl you're know, coming mm -hmm. out of that and you're curving one you know, vertebra at a time yeah. other times it's been you know like come up and hinge at the hips mm -hmm. and I've been told by some instructors like um, or at least one um, always hinge at the hips never curl you know and yeah. but then I've had other instructors I mean yourself included where it depends yeah sometimes you have us curl up out of it sometimes you have this hinge up out of it yeah what's the difference is I mean, one I, right one wrong i don't think so i think maybe one could be right or wrong for a specific person but i think bodies are all so different mm -hmm. and so for one person rolling up might be more appropriate for another person hinging up might be more appropriate so i try to avoid saying things like always or never because there are usually exceptions <laughs> to the rule um <laughs> But I think like the key and like a big part of yoga is to be able to like notice the difference mm -hmm. and eventually understand which variation works best for your body in particular. And when do you think a uh, uh, a person, is, you know, not an instructor, but like a, just a regular old, regular old student mm -hmm. is capable of making that choice? Oh, that's a tough question. Because um, I think it's different everyone like mm -hmm. sometimes when I when people come into a yoga class they just have like it could be their first class and they just have an innate sense of body awareness um, that like a lot of times like dancers or people who have done martial arts mm -hmm. uh, but sometimes people have it and then sometimes people work like really hard to cultivate it mm -hmm. and I don't know why that is I think it, like it could just be our genes um, but I think it's different from person to person, and I think like it requires like, supervision from a teacher to like look at different bodies and suggest things, um, and to aid in that way. So I guess I don't know how long it takes for someone to really know. Okay. It'll be different for everyone. All right, so I got, got a, I got a question. Go so so how do you uh, when it comes to meditation? You know, okay. I have a really hard time shutting my brain yeah. down. I mean, and that's that's why meditation is important. How do you mm -hmm. get started with with yourself? I mean, what do you find to be an effective exercise to kind of calm your brain? And yeah, so um, the first step to meditation, I think, is like to commit to a regular practice. So for me, for example, I usually set a timer for 10 minutes every morning and just give myself that time to be still. Um, I've also recently done some training with a great meditation and yoga teacher in Boston named Josh Summers. And his view on meditation has totally changed the way that I view it. And I think it makes it a, a lot more accessible and he says like let your mind go like notice that your mind is busy you don't need to stop thinking um, you, you can let those thoughts happen and just kind of follow them and then take time after to reflect on on what you've learned 
um, because when you try to stop the thinking and push out those thoughts, it can enforce patterns of resistance and denial, um, which is like what we're trying to heal when we meditate. So it's, it's like, again, like a suggestion for someone who uh, might have trouble meditating. I can't do it. My mind's too busy. It's like, well, let your mind be busy and just like notice that that's what it is and don't judge yourself for it. Mm-hmm. Let it be okay. Um, so that's kind of where my, that really resonated with me and that's how I shifted. And I think other people have had success with that too. Cool. Yeah. So meditation, and that's something where, like, especially recently, I know in um, in my circles, it seems to be gaining more um, acceptance and like in mainstream, Mm. and not so much the you know like woo woo. I'm going to learn how to levitate, but like, hey, I'm quieter and I'm more focused and I'm more confident. And so, Mm -hmm. um, but we're here to talk about yoga, not meditation. (laughs) (laughs) So on that note. Um, you will sometimes at the start of class uh, talk about like the benefits of yoga or I noticed like with you I think uh, at the start or at the uh, closing of a class Mm -hmm. Um, I've heard uh, people especially like when you do uh, inversions Mm -hmm. uh, I remember I took a class one time and uh, the the instructor said okay you know know, some of the uh, benefits of inversion you know poses include and she pulled out this piece of paper (laughs) and read this list I swear it was Okay, so it's good to be upside down. Got it? Yeah. Um, But you talk about things, uh, and when I had originally told Adam I wanted to interview you, I had made a little note, a little post-it note, and I said I wanted to specifically uh, get your thoughts on the fight or flight reflex mm-hmm. and how that would be uh, in, you know, affected by yoga practice. Mm-hmm. And one of the reasons is um, I started seeing a new chiropractor uh, late last year and he you know, ran all these tests on me at first and said that um, you know, I'm pretty much amped up in the, uh, the, the fight zone. And I was like, what? really? I'm so surprised. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know if you've seen Peter Punch. It's uh, pretty serious. <laughs> she is not I have not, but I hear about it. <laughs> yeah, but, um, I'm, uh, I'm bigger than him, but I want him if I go somewhere dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't be the first time that I've played bodyguard for a friend of mine who was bigger than me. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, I was wondering though, and I, I wanted to tell them, you know, I think I told them, so I said, uh, well, we should run these tests again after I come straight out of a yoga class, because I'll bet you they'd be pretty different. Mm-hmm. But what what are, not just like, I guess starting with like the fight or flight reflex, mm-hmm. how is that affected by yoga, like in general or by specific postures? Mm-hmm. And then let's talk about some of the other uh, poses or benefits. And if we can get like, as specific as you could get. Okay. So not just like, well, meditation calms your mind. Okay, well, yeah. how, you know? Like, so what, what exactly, I know anyone who has the vaguest idea of what yoga is can probably see how stretching and you know strength building stuff can be beneficial physically. But mm-hmm. how about the, the mental side of things? Yeah, I think, and I hope this is specific enough, but- I'll pin um, you down if not. We'll <laughs> I think what, as far as fight or flight goes, the biggest key is the breathing, or we call it pranayama. Um, and there's like a biological link to that too. So when we breathe in really deep, I think they're called stretch receptors. Kind of, t- they, your brain communicates to your lungs that like you don't want to overinflate. So it like causes this um this like relax response um and we do that sometimes like naturally like when you're going through a stressful situation you'll notice you like take a deep breath and relax and for me i think that the breathing is a key to calming that fight or flight when you slow your breath down even um and just bring your awareness to your breath like there's a there's a um reaction to your heart your heartbeat slows Um, and i think you can practice that in doing yoga particularly in really challenging postures or when you're doing anything challenging physically we'll hold our breath Um, and even just breathing, um, being mindful of your breath and not over breathing, but not holding your breath, 
um, can really help you train your body to come out of that fight or flight that we live in so often in life. So the breathing is something that comes back. I mean, every yoga class, I've, I'd say, if not everyone, pretty darn close to everyone, at least every teacher I've had a class with mm-hmm. has always you know, stressed the importance of breath, keep mm-hmm. breathing. Um, one thing I know I, I personally wrestle with, and I probably have other students who do too, um, I will get into a pose and I will feel like I'm not physically feeling in, in as much of a stretch as I'd like to. So like I feel I'm in a rotated revolve triangle today, for instance. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to twist further so I can feel like physically I'm getting a stretch. Mm-hmm. But then as I start to do that, my breathing starts to get shown. <laughs> so where line between those two because I know you're you know I've been told like if you have any difficulty breathing or if it's getting at all you know um, hard or labored that you've gone too far Uh, but for me like I will get there and I'm like okay well I don't feel anything other than difficulty breathing right now so it doesn't feel (laughs) like I'm getting anything else out of this pose what's the how do you strike a balance between that i mean i would agree with if you can't breathe in a pose and you've gone too far um and i think like there's something to be said about just being where you are and like not needing to feel a profound stretch in every single posture um, sometimes like we go looking for that like deeper sensation and mm-hmm. that's where injuries can happen um and i think like we're, we're as human beings we like want to feel something um and i think like there's there could be some like profound work in just um being in a pose it's okay if you don't feel all of the things mm-hmm. and 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 just like see where your mind goes like why do you have to feel a stretch and why do you have to go deeper um, i think sometimes it's okay to not have a super overwhelming amount of sensation in every pose. Yeah. And so um, we touched on the fight or flight and the breathing stuff. Um, what other benefits are there without having to pull out your little notepad? <laughs> inversion or so, but like tangible, measurable effects. Mm-hmm. What, what are some of them? Why, why should someone, uh, I should say, why should anyone come train, you know, practice yoga? Totally. Um, I mean, there's, like you said, like we do a lot of stretching in yoga and most of us have some area of our body where we're a little bit tighter than others. No idea what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it's like building flexibility, which I think is what people think of when they think of the benefits of yoga. But um, there's a whole lot of strength building in yoga too, like even just holding a lunge or holding certain postures. Um, so I think like for me, it's how do you find the balance between flexibility and strength? Um, so both of those things and then you know with the breathing with the pranayama practice a a quieter mind maybe less anxiety but I think it's different for everyone and it takes different amount of time for each person to find these benefits Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah those are those are the big things for me and for me it's just like it's not really an explainable thing but it's like, like a feeling that you get from when you take a really good yoga the class and um, a steadiness, um, a strength, and like a um, being flexible in more just a, a physical sense. That being able to like throw, take take life's challenges as they're thrown at you, and like handle them with more grace. So those are the benefits that I found. Okay. All right, I'm going to throw you a curveball. Oh, gosh. <laughs> On one hand, we have the mind, and the other hand, we have the body. Yeah. Two things, one thing. One thing, okay. I would say. High five. <laughs> All right, I've got a question so whenever was- you get a – got a question oh, when you got a oh, fill. Oh, okay, right. okay. So um, so like a person who's a regular Joe, let's say just a – I don't know, maybe a computer guy who sits at his desk and doesn't do much. And then uh, – <laughs> Yeah. And then, I mean, I'm, I do CrossFit, uh, and I do yoga. Uh, so how, how often would you recommend, you know, like somebody like me who does, who's very active and athletic, and then somebody who is kind of really needs to do more 
how often do you suggest somebody does yoga? Um, I mean, it's hard to say. I mean, you can definitely do yoga every day. Um, that usually doesn't fit into people's lifestyles to, to set the, ta- the time aside to practice, but you could practice like a f- for like 10 or 20 minutes at home on your own. I think um, the more you practice, the more you learn about your body and quicker. Um, but like, you know, there's some people that have great benefit coming once a week. I think I think probably the key would just to, to have something that's regular for each individual. So like you commit to practice twice a week or every day or once a week or, and um, st- I think sticking with the routine um, is my best recommendation. Yeah, it's keeping at yeah. it because because I do three CrossFit workouts and then I've been, I've been working on doing two yoga workouts in the between days, and yeah. then I do a little bit of yoga after every workout, uh, just mm-hmm. to really stretch everything. And so, cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's great. Cool. So, um, what is it with all these sound effects? <laughs> my favorite sound effect from, from is um, you might have us in uh, say uh, a triangle pose or uh, pyramid pose yeah. and you'll say something like you know uh, scoops the hips back <laughs> and uh, or, you know, like swing the leg around and you know, you're patented that's what I mean, I may not be able to point to a pose that you've made, but I give you credit for creating that sound effect. Oh, okay. So. Yeah, I don't, that was just something that was like really natural for me. Like if this pose could make a sound, that would be what it makes. <laughs> so what is the sound it just kind of comes out every so often. I make kind of odd sound effects during class. Sometimes a little but usually. <laughs> so where do you? So you you said you've come up with some new poses, you yeah. know, sort of. Maybe mm-hmm. maybe you saw them somewhere else. Maybe you made them up. Yeah. But like, where do you come up with your ideas and your lesson plans? Mm-hmm. You just like go out on the internet and like download a plan, or you like figure out every single thing yourself? Or no, you- I mean it's different each time. I mean I have like looked at videos on the internet for inspiration. But I usually start with like, and this might not be the best advice to give to someone, but I start by asking like, what do I need? Um, Like today we worked on the shoulders because we just had a really big snowstorm and I assumed that many people had spent a lot of time shoveling. So I targeted the shoulders and the upper back. So usually I ask myself like, what do I want to do today? Like what does my body feel like it needs? Because maybe someone else's body needs the same thing. And then I like play around. I either um, like come here into this space and, and move her a little bit and see like what feels appropriate. Um, or like sometimes they do like watch YouTube videos and say like, oh, that seems like a really different transition. Like that might work with what I have planned for today. So sometimes um, I just do it on my own. And sometimes I, I take inf- inspiration from like other classes. I like to, to remain a student. So I take inspiration from a lot of my teachers. Um, or I just like come up with something on the fly. <laughs> Improvise, right? Improvise. <laughs> so, um, what uh, I was just thinking. Oh yeah, I was, yeah, I had a random thought. So I can see it now. The next thing, you know, like next week, we're gonna have a post on Facebook on the Corner Studio webpage. What pose do you want to do most today? lesson plans. <laughs> So what is your either, and this is your choice, your funniest or most awkward yoga moment? Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, there was that time. <laughs> there was one time, this was before I opened the studio, that um, I started teaching class and I realized that I had a hole in my pants. <laughs> in a place that would not be very ladylike to have a hole in your pants. <laughs> and I didn't have a change of pants. I'd already started teaching and I like, so eventually kind of switched gears. So we did a lot of clothes 
leg posture that day. <laughs> I, I think I got away with it. I don't think anyone noticed. <laughs> so that's probably the most awkward young moment, but that was the, the best save. Yeah. <laughs> so you were teaching here, too. How long yeah. have you been teaching here? Uh, opened in 2013, September, so about three and a half years. Okay. Yeah. All right. Mm-hmm. We had skipped over that one earlier. So, so another uh, criteria that what we had originally set out on this podcast, and we've wandered, uh, you know, from to and fro from time to time. We have uh, stuck on yoga today, though. We yeah, we're we, we're, we're, we're good. We're, we're good on yoga. <laughs> But we, we wanted to uh, interview business owners, okay. and you, follow, you qualify for that as well. Mm-hmm. So um, specifically, uh, the, the name of the podcast is Blurring the Lines, and in Adam's and in my case, it's because the lines between business and personal, when you are an entrepreneur, they often blur, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, so for instance, I'm passionate about computer security, that's also my profession. Mm-hmm. Um, it's also something I do for kind of for fun you know you obviously are passionate about yoga uh it's something that you practice and now it's also your your business mm-hmm. um so how long has that been uh, the case did you start like was that your your main line of work when you opened the studio or how long um, did you do well yeah immediately before was my main line of work but i i worked um for a while uh, and taught yoga on the side. Mm-hmm. So um, I worked at a, a company in Cambridge and I would teach yoga to the employees after work hours. Um, I rented spaces um, like dance studios and would teach a class or two a week and I taught at some gyms. So for a while I, I worked full time um, and taught yoga on the side and it was probably uh, at least a year before I ended up opening this space that I um, quit my job and started teaching yoga um, full time. Cool. Yeah. What do you like most about running your own business? Uh, I like the people. I mean, I get to meet all sorts of interesting individuals that come to take my classes, all different types of people. Um, so I think that's what I like the most about it, is like the relationships that I've built. Um, I feel like I've been enriched by that. Yeah, you've got a very nice little community. And I love here, right? that. Mm-hmm. I love that. That's like my favorite part. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, on the flip side, what do you like least about running your own business? Um, so... Uh, I think I'm still struggling to find like that balance between like my personal life and like providing really good yoga and like the business side. Um, and and with the business side and the yoga, I really enjoy both parts of it. Um, like a lot of people will like you know start a business because they or a yoga studio because they love yoga and they really despise the business end. I really enjoy that end of it too, but um, I'm I'm still struggling between like finding the balance, like how much time and energy to put on the yoga because I want to provide a quality product and how much time to work on the business end. So I think that's definitely my biggest challenge as a business owner. Have we heard anything like that before? Uh, yeah. <laughs> so when you say like about like the yoga and the business, are you talking about like um, technical stuff and like the service offering versus operations and like billing and employee management and stuff? Is exactly. That okay. mm-hmm. Marketing and sales and yeah. <laughs> And like being the janitor, <laughs> all of it. <laughs> what do you do? I own a yoga studio and I clean bathrooms. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I was trying to go to uh, a coffee shop, uh, and this was like about a year or so before I, you know, opened my own coffee shop. So I said, so you know, what do you think of it? He says, it's a lot of mopping floors. <laughs> <laughs> It's not what uh, would have come to mind. <laughs> so, um, so you've got classes here every day, mm-hmm. and you've got depending on the day, morning, noon, evening. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you decide your schedule? 
as to like what what you offered when? I mean, a lot of it has been trial and error. Mm-hmm. Um, I when I add a new class, I like to leave it be for a while and just like see. Um, if it grows, give it a chance. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah. um, there are so, were some classes like for the longest time, the six a.m. classes, there would be like two, three people, and you know those have been. Cons- I, I think I've had the six a.m. since it opened, um, but now they're starting to become a, a little bit larger. I was here yesterday. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you were surprised. How do you think I felt? <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, I think like, and I have in the past like sent out email surveys to ask people like what they want what times are you know would you like to take yoga that we don't offer it Um, which I've had like mixed feedback about Um, but really it's you know and as and as the studio has grown there's there's been like a little more opportunity to add classes and like the off class times like during the day mm-hmm. uh, when a lot of people are working. Mm-hmm. So I think it's just like put it somewhere and see how it goes. That sounds pretty easy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know. So, uh, well, I was gonna say on this on the schedule real quick. I do CrossFit at 5 a.m. and oh. there are, there are 10 to 15 people that show it every morning at five. And, and I don't know if it's because it's early enough that it doesn't affect work. I don't know. Not that yeah. you want to get up at 4 o'clock <laughs> every day. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, the, a lot of the, the – uh, I know two, two people who I – I guess in some ways I look up to both of them. Uh, Dwayne Johnson, The Rock, and uh, Jocko Willink, now a business advisor, former Navy SEAL and Jiu-Jitsu black belt. Uh, they both get up at 4.30 every day. Yeah. And I mean, I do find that, like, the early morning people are the most consistent. Like, the people that come at 6 a.m. are usually there every week. Yeah. Whereas, like, the evening people, it's like, things change. You can talk yourself out of it. Um, mm. But, like, the people who commit to class first thing in the morning are, like, they need to get it done. And I think it's, it is hard to wake up, but I think it's a really great way to start your day. And then, like, you're done. And you have the whole day ahead of you. It's yeah. pretty cool. And if you've got the discipline to get up at 5 a.m. and get to a class by 6, I think you, yeah, you have that sticking power. You know, you can stick totally. with it. Yeah. And, yeah, I like that, too. It's like on the days when I'm in town, either on a Tuesday or a Thursday, I like it because they're like, okay, you know, out of the things that I want to accomplish today, yoga classes, it's always one of them if it's, you know, at all possible. I'm like, all right, I've, it's not even 7 o'clock and I've already checked the first box. Yes. Like, Early wins. Done something. <laughs> oh, yeah, I've done something good. So that's all right. Well, um, I am just about out of questions. Uh, Adam, anything else for Jenna? No, she's answered my questions. I did, you know, just kind of a. I will note that uh, CrossFit, we do a lot of yoga poses, but they don't call them yoga poses. They, yeah. <laughs> they call yeah, them something cool. else. I'm like, <laughs> child's pose, pigeon, you know, like, but they don't call it that. Yeah. Sometimes, sometimes we'll get freaked out of, like about like the yoga, like it's voodoo or something. <laughs> yeah. so it's like you can call it something else. Yeah, especially fine. guys, though. You yeah. Know, a lot of them, they're like, I, there's a, um, some guy was, uh, Tim Ferriss interviewed him uh, a few months ago and I uh, was listening to it and it was a, a yoga for men type of you mm-hmm. know, thing, but it was like, we don't say namaste. There's no chanting. Like, but, but you can still get a lot of benefits out of doing it. <laughs> like, okay, bro. Yeah. Yeah. I'll tell you what, though. I, I've done yoga, a yoga video that a man did. It was on the cable channel. And I didn't like it at all because it was all, you know, he was, hey, do this, and this, and jerk. I mean, he was jerking us around. I was like, dude, this isn't flowing at all. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Well, I think too, like the CrossFit people, like when they come to yoga, they don't necessarily, they're not necessarily looking for a workout because they get it elsewhere. Mm-hmm. So like a more restorative, like I have a couple CrossFitters that like always come to restorative yoga, which like we don't really move ever. We just like lie in postures for extended periods of time and let the body relax. So I think like so- sometimes the, the CrossFitters need that 
more mm-hmm. uh, or like it more. Well, that's how I feel on a Sunday mornings for in class yeah. after, you know, uh, like uh, uh, lately I've been doing three hours of propaganda on Saturdays. Mm-hmm. So I need that, you know, that resting. You know, like I'm not, I'm not missing the vinyasas and the chaturangas and the push-ups yeah. and all that. To, I'm, I'm checked. You know? It's all about a balance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, so that, speaking of... Uh, before we close out, though, uh, did you have something else? Yeah, well, I was going to just agree. That's exactly why I do yoga. Uh, I mean, it complements what I'm doing. It allows me to to be better at CrossFit, and I I feel better. You know, like when I bend down to tie my shoe, go ah. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, I'm not stretching, am I? <laughs> yeah. well, that's what I? I used to tell everybody, um, you know, when I first moved to town, I was practicing Aikido, yoga, and Krav Maga at least one per day, sometimes two, rarely th- all three in the same day. And I said, um, yoga is what I do to put myself back together after everything else that I do to myself. Yep. So, so right now, uh, again, this is March uh, 17th, 2017, your current schedule is what? what do you, you have classes every day. Yes, the studio schedule or my studio schedule. Yeah, classes every day, uh, either three or four each day. Uh, There's usually an early morning, a couple afternoons, and the the busy time is the evening classes and on the weekends. And so Monday through Friday, there's a class. There's always a class at six. Six, either six or six fifteen, yep. and then usually it's seven thirty so during the week. Two two classes in the evenings, mm-hmm. and then Mondays at noon. Mondays at noon and five. Noon and five. Yep. Um, Fridays there's a five o'clock class as well. Um, and at twelve. And at twelve. Yep. Yep. And there's a four thirty in there somewhere too in the afternoon. Afternoon. And Wednesday, you have a morning class too? Wednesday, there's a 10 a.m. with Annie. And, and Tuesdays and Thursdays at bright and early? Yes, 6 a.m. And then Saturday mornings, you Saturday sometimes you have three classes? Yep. Um, so <clears throat> Lauren does a, an eight-week chakra yoga, so she's in the middle of that too mm-hmm. uh, right now. Um, and when there's an 8.30 and a 10 a.m. all levels, and then Lauren's chakra for, for the time being. And then on Sundays, there's all levels and yin in the morning and then at 4 30 for there in yep. the afternoon yep. so lots and lots of good yoga yes. and you have like the standard student discounts you have a generous you know trial period and people can come in for you know pay like Try a few them. pennies and <laughs> practice yoga for weeks at a time yep. i'm exaggerating but it's super cheap and it's well worth it <laughs> Uh, and so uh, before we go then, where is your studio located exactly? It is in Bedford, Massachusetts on the corner of Harvard and Main Street, so 379 Main Street. Easily okay. reachable. There's ample public parking. The, uh, the Orange Line bus stops right out front. Easy mm-hmm. to find. Yep. And if people wanted to find you online, the best way to reach you is? Uh, com. You can also email me at jenna at thecornerstudioyoga.com. Cool. Cool. Thank you very much. Thank you, guys. Well, the, the next Thank time you. I'm visiting with Peter, I'll have to come do yoga with you. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> definitely make a trip out of it. Yeah. <laughs> Cool. All right, Adam, uh, with that, I, I think we're going to uh, skip the nifty for this week, mm-hmm. uh, other than uh, knowing that, that yoga is pretty nifty. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'll let you do the honors and push. The big red button. <laughs> to contact either us or our guests, visit blurringthelinespodcast.com. If you like what you're hearing, do us a solid and subscribe to our podcast and leave us a five-star review in iTunes, Google Play Store, or wherever you found us.